this walk with God is real. It's not a phantom. It's not a fantasy. It's not a religious ordeal. It's a living reality. And we should experience the life and the presence of God constantly, 24-7 in our lives. That should be an unbroken thing. You should be in a different dimension. So I want to speak to you tonight about living in the fourth dimension. And the fourth dimension is entering the place of living in the realm of the reality of the Holy Spirit. Now, before I begin, just confirm with me again that you guys can, you're actually hearing me, right? Can I just see a thumbs up again? Great stuff. So, um, the fourth dimension, where, where does this come from? You know, it's not Bible language, but the Holy Spirit doesn't always speak in Bible language. He speaks in His own language, and He speaks into our lives in a way that's relevant and that we can understand and that we can identify with. God doesn't need to use the King James Version or High English to be able to communicate something into my life and into my heart that is forever going to change me. The kind of words that he uses or the examples that he uses is not really what is relevant and important. It is the power of the revelation that he wants to communicate into my life that's going to change me. And it is the anointing, his life carried in that revelation that's going to be the seed of transformation in my life. So when the Lord started speaking to me about the fourth dimension, he actually reminded me about the kind of movies that we watch that we call 3D movies. I'm sure all of you have seen or heard about three-dimensional movies and you put these little glasses on and it almost seems like you are drawn into the movie. It's like you can see the animals coming towards you. You know, it's, it's very real. And uh, the Lord said to me, you know, most of my children live in a three-dimensional relationship with me. What that means is I become real to them from time to time. They've got a kind of like experience with me where there are moments, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's in prayer, whether it's in worship, whatever, they have that moment of interaction and encounter where I become so real to them that they can feel me and they can sense me and they feel the anointing, you know, and they feel my presence. But then when they take the glasses off and they leave the movie house, so to speak, it's over. And the Lord said to me, there's a dimension beyond that third dimension when we speak spiritually now. There's a different kind of experience that God wants us to have. There's a fourth dimension. And he explained it to me this way. He said, in that fourth dimension, you are no longer standing outside of the movie, observing the movie and feeling as though you are drawn into the movie, but you are actually becoming a part of the action. You are becoming a part of the movie. In other words, it would be as though you are standing in the movie and you could feel the warmth of the sun on your skin if the sun was shining. Or you would experience the rain falling on you. It would actually become wet because of the rain falling in the movie. You would be included. You would be drawn into a different kind of dimension where you no longer have an external experience but where you 
are drawn into the realm of living that real experience with God, that spiritual dimension where you live in a place where it is unbroken with Him, where you are joined together. You're no longer coming to Him from an external place. You have been drawn into a spiritual dimension. And that is the fourth dimension that the Holy Spirit spoke of, where we live and move and have our being in Him in a constant fellowship, in a constant relationship. You know, we've been taught to the best of the ability that we could be taught because people can only teach you to the level of their own understanding. I can only tell you if I'm going to be authentic. I can only tell you what I have come to know and experience about God in my own life. That's all I can share with you. Paul says we can't talk to you about things that we have no experience of. We, the disciples say we can only speak of, to you about what we've handled with our own hands and what we've come to see with our own eyes and what we've come to experience. In that level of authenticity, when we share with others what God has imparted in us, it carries the seed of transformation. That stuff can change you. There's a lot of stuff people can tell you that is simply shared from the place of knowledge, shared from the place of that they've read it in some book or that, they, that is written in the Bible even. That's not going to change you. What's going to change you is the living word of God, the living impartation of God's word. And so when I share this with you, I want you to know that I am not sharing word with you. I'm sharing impartation with you. I'm trusting that what you hear tonight will become living seed in you. That what you receive tonight will germinate in you by the Spirit of God. And that you will become the revelation that God wants to share with you tonight. That it will become a living, active part of your being. And that you will actually become the very fruit of what you're going to hear. So when we speak about dimensions, the first thing that we've got to understand is whenever we shift uh, between dimensions, there's always a place of change that's going to come. You know, you, you are going into a new arena. You are going into a new experience with God. When that happens in your life, there's always consequences to that. Things around your life is going to change. There's going to be a decision that you need to make, which may not be acceptable to others, which may be misunderstood by many, which may not be popular in what you are doing. And some people may even warn you that you are going unto dangerous territory right now. You know, I think about Peter, when uh, Jesus called him to come and walk on the water and he got out of that boat the 11 others almost had a heart attack. They thought Peter was losing it. How could he get out in the middle of a storm? He was not Jesus, you know, and I'm sure they told him that. They said, Peter, you're not Jesus. What do you think you're doing? But Peter heard a cry of the Spirit within his own heart. He heard the Lord. He heard Jesus calling him into an experience that none of them, ever knew was possible 
and none of them had ever come to experience. And it's so important for us to understand that we can never define God. If you ever come to a place in your life where you decide that you fully understand God, or that God has so revealed himself that he's completely contained, whether it is in this Bible, whether it is through the lives of some preachers of the past, if you think Paul had a full revelation of who Jesus was or the disciples, if you ever come to that place, you've come to a place of stagnation. The only thing that's happened is your mind has convinced you that you know everything about God, but it's not true. Because God can never be defined. He's forever revealing himself. He's forever changing. There will be facets of God that we will come to see in times in future that's never been seen before, that's never been recorded before. You know, when Paul received this wonderful revelation that he received from God, which was so different from what everybody else understood at that time, he said about it, he said God had reserved this specific revelation for the season, and he's called me to be the revelator of this specific revelation, which is the revelation of Christ, who is a living part of you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That was a complete different dimension of understanding from what others understood about the gospel. He said, I received this revelation from God himself, not from any man. God gave him a unique understanding in the spirit of this revelation of Christ actually becoming a living essence and we actually being joined together with him to become one with him. It was something that had never been heard before. And that's why you find some of the disciples writing and saying, you know, we love our brother Paul, but sometimes he speaks of things that's hard to understand and we don't have it 100% this way. But Paul carried a unique frequency of the Holy Spirit, a unique revelation that God imparted in him that he was to share with all of humanity. And then the same man tells us at a different place, he says, you know what? We only saw in part. We only see a little bit about God. We only see in part. We prophesy in part. God is so unendingly deep and so wonderful and so great that there is no way that we will ever contain him. And that's what makes the Bible precious to me. Because it is a book of testimony. It is a book wherein I can read about Moses and the experience that he had with God in the uniqueness of what he experienced. I can understand something about God through Moses' life that is unique to Moses. And so as I go through all of them, David, and I go through Joshua and Gideon and and all the rest, and even the disciples, each one had a unique glimpse of glory that God reflected through their life. And when I look at the full content of that, I understand that God has chosen to make himself known through each one of his spiritual children 
in a unique and distinctive way. And that includes you. And it includes me. God created us in a unique way that through our lives, something of himself would be seen that can only be known through you and through me. But in order for us to become that, we need to be willing to move or to shift, to do what Peter did, to get out of the boat. Can we just turn that mic off, please, brother? Thank you. We need to do what Peter did. We, we need to get out of that boat of conformity. We need to get out of that boat of being governed excuse me just for a moment let me just do this we need to get out of the boat of conformity and of being in that position where we simply are riding along with what we've been taught with what every everybody else has been taught where we expect no more than what we've received that we don't expect anything greater to happen we're just going along in the boat from one destination to the next, hoping to arrive safely on the other side. We need to be able to do what Peter did. We need to say, listen, I heard something in the spirit. I heard the voice of God calling me into a dimension that none of us have ever experienced. I need to step into something that to everyone else may seem like a crazy thing to do, that to the norm of, you know, what is normal is considered to be completely off the charts, but I heard God speaking to me, and I need to respond upon His voice. You need to be able to go there. Now, you see, when you go there, the problem is you are walking straight into a storm. You've got to understand that the moment that you are going to enter this life of the Spirit with God, the moment that you're going to give yourself to God and say, Lord, I want to live in that place of being one with you. I want to give myself to the Holy Spirit to completely possess my life. I want to be fully led of the Spirit. I'm willing to exchange my mind and my reason for your mind so that you may come and renew me and renew my understanding to see things from your perspective and even if what you show me disagrees with the norm and the standard and what is acceptable to people i choose to follow you the moment that you're going to do that you're walking into a storm why because there's going to be waves of voices all around you that's going to tell you you're doing the wrong thing. You're going to have lightning and thunder and challenges coming through people that's going to voice their opinion, through people that's going to warn you, through people that's going to speak into your life, and you're going to have all of this going on around you, and you're going to have to make up your mind that you heard the Lord, and you're going to have to focus in, in the Holy Spirit to say, I am going to follow you amidst everything else that's going on around me and peter actually managed to do that until he was probably a meter away from jesus and when he was about a meter away from jesus something happened where 
something out of the natural was able to pull him out of that spiritual realm. And the moment that that happened, he started sinking, and Jesus was right by him. You know, we focus so much on the fact that Peter sank, and, you know, oh ye of little faith, and all of these things, but we don't speak about the fact that Peter walked on water. He actually came within arm's length distance from Jesus, because all Jesus had to do is reach up and grab his hand. And he pulled him up and said, why did you doubt? So he was right there. He was already walking on water. He had already experienced what all of the others in the boat had never come to experience. He had stepped into a dimension with Jesus that none of them had ever touched. He was inside of a miracle with Jesus. Both Jesus and Peter were both walking on water. He was in the spirit. He was out of the realm of the normal, the accepted, with, without reason, and all of the, the, the faith choices of people, what they believe, what they don't believe. He had surpassed all of those things and come to a place of completely surrendering himself to the spirit. And this is the cost of what it means to walk into the spirit. Now I want to show you this from scripture as well. Tonight, I just want to read something here from the book of Acts, uh, chapter 1. And it says the following in verse 13. And it says that, um, let me just make sure, yeah. And when they had entered the city, they mounted the stairs to the upper room, where they were uh, indefinitely staying. And then it lists all the names of the disciples that were there. Verse 14 says, And all of these with their minds in full agreement devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer. And then it explains prayer to us. It says, They waited together with the women and Mary. They were waiting together on God. Now I'm reading from the Amplified in case you're looking for the words in your Bible. They had moved into a different kind of dimension. I want to show you this. Chapter 2, verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Now, what is that? What is the day of Pentecost? What does that mean? The day of Pentecost is the day of the Spirit, isn't it? It's the day when the Holy Spirit took over. It's the day that Jesus prophesied would come. It's the day that he spoke about when he said, I'm going to be with my father, but another will come. The Holy Spirit will be sent to you, and the Holy Spirit will become your teacher now. I can no longer teach you. I'm not going to be around to do that, but I'm going to give you a teacher, and the Holy Spirit will become your teacher. He will become your inspiration. He will become your friend. He will become the one that will be with you. I will not leave you as an orphan, but the Spirit will become a part of you. This is the day that Jesus prophesied. So when the day of the Spirit had fully come, when the day of transition had come, the day where man would no longer be dependent upon the natural things in order to try and find God, but where a transition would happen, where man would now actually step up, because that's what happened. You see, that's why it's so significant. Remember, they were in the upper room. 
they had to climb up to a different dimension. They had to ascend to a different place. They had to decide in climbing these steps into that upper room, I'm deciding that I'm going to give my life to God fully and I'm going to commit myself just like Peter got out on that water and he decided my life is no longer in my hands. My choices are no longer in my hands. My reason, my sense, whatever is limited in my beliefs, whatever I've been told and whatever storm is breaking around me, I've made up my heart. I've made up my mind. I've renewed myself to the place of coming to the understanding that I've given myself fully to God from this moment on and I've committed my life. That was the commitment. They were a part of the natural world. They were a part of society. They were a part of everything that was happening around them in the city. But they had to make the choice to climb the stairs to the upper room. To know that if I go in there, I'm never coming out the same again. I'm expecting an encounter with God there. I'm expecting God to meet me there in a way and in a dimension that is forever going to impact my life. When I come there and when I come from there, I'm returning as another man and as another woman. Do you remember what happened to Saul? What happened when he came amongst the prophets? He changed into another man. He started prophesying with him. Suddenly he found himself in the spirit. And that's exactly what happened with those that went into the upper room. They went into the spirit, into the day of the spirit, into the new day of God. And when they returned from there, they did not return as natural men and as natural women. They returned as supernatural sons of God, supernatural men and women that now came back into a natural environment. What happened when they came into this environment? The first thing that happened is supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles were made manifest through them. They sounded unusual and different. They behaved unusual and unnatural. People looked at them, not just listened to them, but looked at them. And what they saw convinced them that these people must be drunk. Because if they're not drunk, they're crazy. Because they are acting in the most peculiar way. The things they say is peculiar sounds that's coming from their mouth. But what is so supernatural is that we hear them speaking in our own language. The words coming out of their mouth is peculiar sounds. But we hear the revelation or the sound of what they're saying in our ears as our language. They weren't speaking Greek and and Hebrew and all of those things, they were speaking a spiritual language which supernaturally was translated in the ears of everybody there. Hebrews, Greeks, Italians, the whole lot of them heard the sound coming out of their mouth, but they heard the words spoken into their ears. Something incredible had happened. 
Are you with me? Can, can you understand what I'm saying? Are you still there? Something supernatural took place. Something supernatural occurred. And the first response from those in the natural was to say they drunk and they laughed at them and they mocked them and they made fun of them. So you see, the moment they came from that upper room, they walked into a storm. They walked into the same situation in the spirit where Peter was when he walked on water. They stepped into a situation where suddenly they walked into a place where different voices were speaking and different opinions was given and, and nothing that came out was positive. And yet they stepped into this world as a living demonstration of the Holy Spirit himself. They had become one with God. They entered a different dimension. They entered that fourth dimension where the Holy Spirit so became a part of them that there was no longer anything separate between God and themselves within those moments. They were purely possessed, purely occupied, purely filled. If I use the word possessed, I'm not talking about possessed as being possessed by a devil. I'm talking about owned or fully encapsulated with the spirit. They were filled with God. And when Peter opened up his mouth, the living word of God went forth. He could use scripture to explain what they were experiencing. But the words that went out of his mouth was the living word of God spoken by the Holy Spirit. That word that is sharper, by, sharper than any two-edged sword. That word that penetrates where nothing else can go. That living word went out because Peter had been fully filled and saturated with the Spirit. He was now giving utterance to the voice of God. And guess what? 3,000 people became as supernatural as they were in the twinkling of an eye. Something happened in them and suddenly the veil came off of their eyes and they saw what the others saw. It suddenly made sense to them. It suddenly became real to them because Peter's message to them was what you hear and see happening here is God's promise to you. What you are witnessing happening here actually belongs to you. And if you would allow God to change your mind, to change your thinking, to change your understanding, if you would repent, if you would allow God to become your reason, then this promise that you see here will become yours because it actually belongs to you. How wonderful that is. This promise, this dimension, this walk in the Spirit belongs to you and to I. And it is our choice to make that decision and to give ourselves to God and say, I want to repent. Where I did not believe before, I want to believe. I want you to come. Renew my understanding. Renew my thinking. Renew my reason. Change me so that I will become receptive for the things of the Spirit.
because that is the greatest challenge that we have. We are satisfied with merely being Christians that are saved and that are sealed and that are going to be with Jesus forever. And this was never God's intention for our lives. It was always about reconciling us, reconnecting us, bringing us to this place where we would give our lives away and say, Lord, I'm step for step. I'm stepping into the upper room. I'm stepping into your presence. And I want you to change me so that when I walk out of that place with you, out of that surrender with, to you, that as I come out of that place, that your glory will be visible in me. That I will become a mirror of your presence. That I will be so full of you that wherever I go, the atmosphere will be changed. Wherever I go, things will happen that will glorify you. You know, when I first uh, got called into ministry, I knew nothing about praying for the sick. I knew nothing about signs, wonders, and miracles. I was just totally, completely in love with Jesus. That's all. I wanted more of Him. I wanted to know Him more. In fact, when the Lord called me, uh, I get myself, Bukhlam <laughs> Geskrip. I don't know how I'm going to say that in English. But I got this, the fright of my life. I couldn't believe that God was calling me. Because I didn't expect to be called. I didn't expect that God was going to use me. I thought that there's only selective people and they had to go to a Bible school and, and learn a lot of stuff. You know, you can't just go and work in the kingdom and work for God. And there's so many people that believe that way, that don't understand that God is not dependent upon what you know. He's asking you to give yourself to him so he can show you what he knows and that you can become a channel and a vehicle of his wisdom and of his power and of his character and of his nature. He doesn't need you to go and educate yourself about him. He wants to teach you and impart himself into you so you can become everything that he wants to show forth through you. And that makes it so wonderful that we then understand why Jesus didn't go to the University of Jerusalem to find his students. He went and he found them in the streets. And some of them were mongrels. They were the worst of the worst. And he chose them purposefully because he wanted us all to understand. It's not about what you have. It's not about your education. It's not about how superbly you can speak. It's about becoming a vessel of the glory of God. It's about being willing to go up to the upper room and say, here I am. Empty me of everything that I'm not supposed to be and fill me with all I need to be and then to come down from that upper room walking in His power, in His glory and becoming a shining, radiant light in this world where people, when they look at you, will sense Jesus, will sense the Christ, will sense the Holy Spirit and the anointing upon your life. That's the key. So for me, I knew nothing. And yet God knew that he wanted to perform miracles, that he wanted to heal people, that he wanted to cast out devils, that he wanted to make his presence real again amongst people, that he wanted people to understand there's more than just reading the Bible and praying and believing about in a God 
that did all of these things a long time ago. He wanted people to know that he's alive now and that he's operational now and that he's the same God that he's always been now. And I just gave myself and I was astounded to see what Jesus would do through me. It was so wonderful. And you know what? I didn't need to try. I didn't need to try and impress anybody. I didn't need to to go and learn how to pray for the sick or, you know, what words you must use and must you do it this I just went and I just gave myself and the Holy Spirit started teaching me. The Holy Spirit started leading me and the Holy Spirit started speaking through me and the Holy Spirit, the more I gave himself to me, the more he started imparting his wisdom, changing my understanding to see the way he sees to understand the way he understands. And he's still doing that every single day. And he wants to do it for you too. You know, the wonderful thing about this is, I just read to you, when the disciples came into Jerusalem, what did they do? They went into this upper room. And what is so astounding to me, do you remember when Jesus sent them out to prepare for the last time that they would eat together, that last meal. Do you remember where that meal was held? Do you remember where they went? He sent them and he said, you need to go to a certain place and find somebody. And then you need to follow a person who's carrying a pitcher of water to a upper room that has already been prepared for this feast. Make ready, I will meet you there. So they, their last encounter with Jesus on earth was in an upper room. And when the day of the Spirit came, they were found in an upper room. That tells me that once you have tasted the upper room, once you have been in that place with Jesus, once you've been around the spiritual realm and you've really come to taste the real life of God, you've really been touched by the presence, the realness of God. Once you've been there, you can never go back to a lower level. You can never move back to the ground floor. You are going to go back and wait in the upper room because that is where you have tasted the goodness you will never turn back from the Holy Spirit when you can make that decision to say, Lord, I'm going to fully trust you. Lord, I'm going to give myself to you because you see, that's what I needed to do. I had to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to teach me. I do not have and I'm not going to go to a Bible school for some man to teach me about you. And then I'm not knocking Bible schools if you are there, it simply means that you are hungry for God. So praise God that you are there. But there is a dimension beyond Bible school. There is a reality of God that goes beyond the scriptures and the written content. There is a life that you can experience in God, which is completely supernatural. There is a place where everything that you will read about in this Bible can be real in your life, where you can truly come to experience the life and the presence of God working in the way 
it's described here, where your whole life becomes a supernatural expression of who God is. That is what salvation is about. That is what Jesus came to reconcile us with, to restore us to, because that was God's original plan for all of us. The Holy Spirit did not come to suddenly empower man in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit came to become a living part of man, just like he did in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve was formed and the life of God was breathed into them. It wasn't some wind or just something. It was God's breath. It was the spirit life that was breathed into them. And what came to be was just as God is. Think about it. God breathed himself, himself into man so that when man was made, God said, there is my image, there is my likeness, as I am, so they are. Wow. Wow. That means those two beings were supernatural, just as God was supernatural. That means that their source was God himself. Their origin was God's breath inside of them. Think about this. And when Adam made that fatal wrong choice and fell from that position of being God's glory, of being that supernatural individual, and he just became a human like anybody else. When he fell, God immediately started working on a plan. And the plan was to get man back to where he belongs. Jesus was a key role player in that plan. Because through him, man would be reconciled. And another word we, we hardly ever use that's so important, man would be redeemed. What does that mean? It means to buy back. It means to go and take back what belongs to you so it can be placed in its rightful place. So God immediately started with a plan. And that plan was firstly just to give man the law because that law would at least be a guideline as to how you would live more or less to be reasonably at least close to being in the will of God. You are now separated from God. You've lost the glory and somehow God wants to at least bring you to a place where you understand how to live. And so he gave them the law and said, listen, these are the basic things you need to do if you are going to reflect my glory in the earth. Because, you know, that was what Israel was supposed to be. They were supposed to be the nation of God on earth. They were supposed to be the light of God on earth among the heathen nations. God said, I don't want you to do these things and don't do what those nations do and, and keep from doing this and don't do that. They were supposed to be the light, but God was no longer in them as the light. So he gave them a law to become their light. And so David says, your word, your scripture is a light unto my path. Your scripture serves, and, and I love it because in doing this, I know I can feel I'm coming close to you. But David could never come to the place that Adam originally knew where he wasn't close to God, but where God was fully inside of him.
He had to wait for that. And all of the Old Testament saints had to wait for that until Jesus came to become that sacrifice that was demanded in order for reconciliation to come, in order for God, the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, to come back into man and to say, let us remake you into my image and into my likeness. Let me start changing everything that you've learned in your life, all the wrong things, all the voices that spoken into your life, everything that's made you to be so unlike me. Let's start the process of renewing your understanding, your inner man now to be fashioned after my image and my likeness so you may once again become the son, the supernatural man and the supernatural woman that will think like me, that will act like me, that will be like me because in that I am fully glorified. Oh, hallelujah. What a blessing. So the Holy Spirit did not come in the New Testament to do something new. He came to restore you back to God's original dream for you and for me. Or let me say, He came to restore you as God's original dream. And He restored me as God's original dream so that whatever God uniquely made me to express in this world will be seen, felt, and heard through me. And that in that, the light of God will shine in this world, that light which attracts people to his presence. My life will become a supernatural attraction. Do you see what happened with Jesus? It says he was the express image of the Father. He was the light of God on earth. He was God made visible, not in his facial expressions, but what came out of him was a light. And did you see how that light attracted people wherever he went? Everybody that was even sinners and that were hurt and that would were cast out. All of those broken people were attracted to him because they saw the light in him. They saw the light of hope, the light of restoration, the light of healing, the light of miracles, the light of God. They saw themselves in Jesus, what they ought to be, who God really made them to be. And they were drawn to that. You know, that's what draws you to Jesus is you recognize who God made you to be when you see him. You are attracted to his character. You are attracted to his nature. You fall completely head over heels in love with him. Why? Because God is beaming through him. And that for us is like a mirror. Paul says, as you gaze into the glory of God, some some translations say, as you gaze into the word, but you must note it's a capital word. It doesn't speak of letters printed on paper. It speaks of the living word. That word which John describes in John 1 verse 1, where he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was before all things. 
It's talking about the eternal spirit, the eternal word who God is. That is who he's speaking of, you see. So Paul says, when you gaze into that eternal life, the spirit, when you gaze into the glory, when you gaze into God himself, he says it's just like looking into a mirror. Now that is a powerful statement because what do you see in a mirror? What do you see when you look into the mirror? You see yourself, am I right? Yes, you're looking at your own image. So what do you see when you look into God as your mirror? What are you seeing? You are seeing who you ought to be. You are seeing the truth about yourself. Because remember, you were created to be in his image and in his likeness. That doesn't mean 10 toes, 10 fingers, 2 ears. It means to be as he is in his character, in his nature, in his personality. It means to be like he is, to think like he thinks, to behave like he behaves, to believe as he believes. That is your origin. That is the true you. No matter how you look and what color skin that you have, you were created in his image and in his likeness to be his reflection and his mirror in this earth. So when you look into him, you see who you ought to be. And Paul says, the more you look, the more you are being changed. Oh, powerful. The more I look into this upper room experience, the more I look into the spirit, the more I look into the living essence of God, who he is, the more I give myself as I teach me who you are, show me who you are, the more I do that. As I look and he brings himself to me in revelation and he shows me who he is, he reveals and unveils himself. The more I look, the more what I see is mirrored back into me and I am changed. I am renewed. I am shifted into a different dimension, the dimension of the Holy Spirit, the dimension of being one with God. And that is true spiritual living. That is truly being born of the Spirit. You see, to be born of the Spirit is not in a prayer. It is not in a confession. It is not in the way that you love. It is in a complete surrender so that the Holy Spirit may come and fully saturate you with Himself. To be truly spiritual, your whole being is changed and continues to be changed from one dimension of the glory of God as he reveals it to the next dimension of the glory of God as he reveals it. And every time you are changed, you are entering into a deeper spiritual dimension of revelation, of understanding, and of living, and of operation. Your whole life becomes spiritual 
your whole life becomes the kingdom of God established on earth. You grow so deep into him that you hear only the frequency of where you live. You only hear the voice that surrounds you, which is the voice of God. Your ears grow dull to the lower dimension from where you step up into that life. In other words, you don't battle with sin anymore. You don't, you're not bothered with devils anymore. You are bothering them now. Because you know what? You are not even concerned. Did you see Jesus being concerned with devils? Did he go around and, and fight with devils for nights and try and, and, and chase them out? And No, 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 no. What happened? He was in a different frequency. I and the Father are one. So what happened? The moment that Jesus stepped on the scene, the devils started crying out. <laughs> the moment he came on the scene, the devil responded and said, please, did you come to, to harm us before the time? Did you come to make us suffer? Please have mercy upon us. That is the dimension of sonship. That is the dimension of fourth-dimensional spiritual living. That is the dimension of giving yourself and God coming into your life and there's something real and evident in your life. Wheresoever you go, you shift atmospheres. You, you don't have to even speak. Just your presence there allows God to start changing atmospheres. I was so amazed some time ago. The Lord sent me to a specific church. And he sent me there. He said, I don't want you to go and minister at this church. In fact, I don't want you to feature at all. I want you to go and bend your knees before this pastor and say to him, God has sent me here apostolically. What does that mean? It means that God has got a parcel that I need to come and deliver for you. There is something really special that the Holy Spirit wants to carry into this place. And he sent me and commissioned me as a special messenger. Because if you go search the word apostle, see what it is. It's a special messenger. It is a pioneering spirit. It is somebody or a ministry that God calls to bring forth the new. It is something special that God says, now you go and you pioneer this new thing and release it in the earth. That is what an apostle is. They pioneer. They go into unknown territories. They go into territories what the God wants to occupy and they release what God has brought alive in them, what is given them, what is birthed in them. They go and they release it in those places and they release it in the body of Christ and it becomes life and life in abundance in those that receive it. So the Lord said to me, go to this pastor, bend your knees, tell him you are here apostolically to come and serve him at this time. You don't want to preach. You don't want to feature. You don't want to do anything. You're going to sit at the back of the church because I don't need you to speak and I want to be able to trust you. The Lord asked me this. He said, can I trust you? that I will be able to influence this place through you without you featuring, that it will not become about you. He challenged me with that. And God put me there for some time, quite a long period of time, with one purpose. He said, just be present. 
so that I can influence. I want to release something, but I don't need your words. I just need your presence. If you will be there, it will give me an open door to release my presence. You know, I want to tell you, in the three months that I was there, it started in me first, not in anybody else. God started breaking me in a way. Now listen, I have walked with the Lord for 31 years. And I'm sure if you are listening to this message, to this material, you understand it's not taken from a book or off the shelf somewhere or some DVD of some preacher that's spoken somewhere. This stuff was born on the inside of me. I had to do what Peter did. I had to face the storms. I had to face the voices. I had to face the criticism and, and all of the negative stuff and keep my focus on Jesus and continue to walk with him as I still do today. I had to go there in order for God to birth new things inside of me that he wants to release to his people because God wants to elevate his people at this time. The things you are praying for, you are praying for supernatural favor. You are praying, God, help me restore my finances. Lord, help me. My You're praying for all of this stuff, but prayer isn't going to do it. You need, together with your prayers, combine your faith. What is faith? It's not believing in God. It's going with God. It is going with God. That is faith. It is what Peter did. I am going with God. I'm getting out of the boat. I'm moving with God. That is faith. It's active. It's alive. It's giving yourself over to say, I believe in you calling me more than I believe in staying where I am, more than I believe in the storm, more than I believe in the circumstances. I'm going to go with you. That's faith. So what I'm saying to you, if I'm telling you that God broke me, you've got to understand that there's been breaking upon breaking upon breaking upon breaking in my life. It is not unusual for me. But what God did in these circumstances was very unusual because I've never in my life experienced a breaking like I experienced today. God broke me up in a way I've never experienced. It's not a negative experience. It is wonderful. It is diminishing you so that his beauty and his presence may come out. And he said to me, as I break you, I want to influence the leaders with brokenness because it's only when the alabaster box is broken that the flavor and the aroma of my anointing will be released. <laughs> and so I went through this period. What did I learn? And it happened. It began happening. Sadly, I believe it did not happen in the fullness of what God wanted to achieve. Man came back on the scene. Man started resisting the work of God. The logic of man went against the mind of God. And unfortunately, that breakthrough never came through in the way that the Lord intended. But what did I learn from that experience? I learned that it is possible for God to influence the atmosphere 
by you just being present in obedience. By you not having to feature and preach and stand on a stage and, and do things just by being present in obedience, the Spirit of God will permeate a place. That is what I believe happened with Peter as he passed the sick on the street. People said it's the shadow <laughs> that healed him. And they recorded it as the shadow, but I don't think it was the shadow. I think it was the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. It was God's shadow and Peter's shadow that became so one that they could no longer tell the one from the other. And as his presence, as he walked through the street, just in his presence, Jesus was able to raise up the sick and to restore them. This was not Jesus walking down the street. It was Peter. And if it is true for Peter, it is true for you, and it is true for me, then it means that is the kind of life God wants me to live. That is where I ought to be in the Spirit. I ought to be in that dimension, in that higher place, where my life becomes a supernatural expression of who God is. Where people will be touched by the glory of God. Where Jesus will be seen and Jesus will be felt. Not a man, not some apostle, not some preacher, not some special figure. Not, excuse me, but not a Benny Hinn. And not a this one and not, and I'm not knocking Benny Hinn. I'm just making an example. Not a man being glorified. But Jesus being felt. And People being aware, it's Jesus that is in our midst. And you know what? You and I were designed, and Benny Hinn was designed, because you know, it's not Benny's mistake. It's our mistake. We want to idolize men instead of seeing Jesus. We are looking for people to put on the throne, just like Israel was looking for a king and they wanted Saul on the throne and God said, you are replacing me as your king and you're going to suffer because of it. Just in the same way today, we are looking for somebody to crown. We are looking for some special figure to crown. Let me tell you something. God works through ordinary people that surrender themselves so that he can take them into an extraordinary place so he can move them from being natural to becoming supernatural. It's a work of God. It's a work of grace. And it's for every human being that would give themselves to Jesus to be reconciled to their origin. Yes, we are not all called to heal the sick, but we are all called to live miraculously. We are all called to be a living witness, a living epistle, a living... You should be a Bible to the world. You should be Acts chapter 29. There's only 28 recorded in here. You ought to be number 29, the reflection of what God is saying today as the living God. The expression of what God is doing today as the living God. And I want to encourage you through this. I want to open up and expand your vision about your own life and the possibilities that God has for you. Maybe you are not in ministry at all. You love the Lord with all your heart. Maybe you're an artist. Maybe you're a lawyer. 
Maybe you're a business person. It doesn't matter. God has foreknown your life for this season and time. Maybe there's a key role you need to play in the world that surrounds you. Wherever the Holy Spirit has positioned you to be, you need to be the light of God. You need to be the supernatural expression. Things should happen in an unusual way through your life just because of your presence. Supernatural favor needs to come to you. Doors needs to be opened to you that would ordinarily never be open to you. You should be able to access places that you could never access in your own power, your own wisdom, your, let us say, with your qualifications, with your talents, with your, it all falls short of where you find yourself. Because of the favor of God, the wisdom of God that's opened those doors to you. You know, when I think of somebody like Joseph, what did he have to offer Pharaoh? He was a Jewish boy. He wasn't even an Egyptian. He's a Jewish boy that, that was sold into slavery into Egypt, who became the slave of Potiphar's house who ended up in prison. I mean, the guy's track record sucks. It's terrible. I would never want him near my place. And yet Pharaoh invites him into his palace. Do you know what it meant to be invited into a palace of a Pharaoh at that time? You know what level of education that you needed from childbirth to get there? And, and how special it was? And out of prison, this man has taken this Hebrew boy right into the palace and Pharaoh surrenders the whole kingdom of Egypt into his hands. No qualifications, no university. A foreigner comes out of jail, sold out of slavery. His parents or his, or his brothers in, in Pharaoh's eyes, probably his family threw him away. They rejected him. He was a slave. He, he, he doesn't have a track record. But he has God. And he is who God made him to be. And the Holy Spirit used all of those negatives to make one big positive at the end. And Pharaoh did not even just take the plan from Joseph. When Joseph told him and he said, this is what you need to do, he realized I need the man with the plan. Hallelujah. Divine supernatural ability, divine supernatural favor. God advancing him into that place. And suddenly, everything the Lord had prophesied in his dreams about his life comes true. If you will live your life in the spirit, I'm telling you, supernatural things will come to you. Supernatural doors will open to you. I'm telling you, things will happen to you that will leave the world around you in awe. That's what happened in the upper room. When those people came down with that sound, when they came down with that glory, when they came down with that anointing, heaven being in their lips, heaven being all around them, what happened? People stopped dead in their tracks and their jaws dropped. They didn't know what was going on. I want to tell you today, corporately, God wants to bring us to a place 
where we climb those steps again, and you climb those steps not through works, you climb them through surrender. You climb them through willingness. You climb them through hunger to say, Father, I want this. And you know what? God is not going to fight you to give it to you. He wants you to have it more than you will ever want to have it yourself because he wants to restore you. I said uh, to somebody last night, we were having a beautiful uh, group meeting, pretty much the same as the, that we are doing now. And uh, I said to somebody, you know, God has the value that he has in you. And the value that he has in how he designed you is so precious to him that it was equal to the value of the blood of Jesus. Can you imagine that for a moment? <laughs> I mean, you don't take a million rand to go and pay for something that's only worth 20 rand. Am I right? If you're going to spend a million rand, you want the worth of a million rand. Am I right? And to redeem you, to reconcile you to his original plan for your life, God values you so much and he values his destiny and his plan for your life so much that that value to him was equal to the value of the blood of Jesus that was given to redeem you. I want you to realize this tonight. God wants you to live there. He wants, he desires for you to be everything he designed you to be. He made Adam and he made Eve and he made mankind to be his kingdom, to be his representation on earth, to be in charge on earth, to be kings on earth. That's why he made you. And he cannot stand it when, if, when anything else is governing your life. He cannot stand it because he did not create you to be a prisoner. He created you to be a prince. He cannot take it when things dominate you. That's why the whole story of Jesus is capsulated in one word. And that one word is freedom. Freedom. He came to set the captives free. That's it. That's it. That's what Jesus came to do. Freedom to be reconnected with God. Freedom to come back into your destiny. Freedom to become the grace of God on earth. To become who he made you to be as he is and like he is. And I believe tonight just like I am hungry, every day thirsting, that God will change me more and more, that I will be renewed in my understanding that the wisdom of God will come and destroy the false lies that has been placed within me, that has, that has tried to, to run me down and to captivate me and to, to bind me, just like Samson was bound. Do you remember what happened? He was bound. Who bound him? It wasn't the enemy that bound him. Who bound him? His own brothers bound him and handed him over to the enemy. You see, so many times, good things around us that we perceive as being good, that we trust, that we rely on, 
things that we've been taught, things that is a part of our culture, things that is a part of our upbringing, things that we've been taught from a small age and what religion has taught us and what all of those things, all of those voices that seem good, many times have got us bound and handed over to the enemy. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and do what he did for Samson because it says when the Spirit came upon him, it says that those new ropes became as flax. You know, little, uh, in Afrikaans, we call it harendraikis. I don't know what you would call that in English, but flax, those thin little things they used to, to put a button on your shirt. That's what happened when those strong ropes that had bound him, when the Spirit came upon him, it said that those ropes became as flax that was touched by fire. They just were destroyed instantly. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to do that in our lives. We need to allow God, we need to give ourselves, get rid of what you understand, what you know, how clever you are. You know what? You're blocking God. You're blocking God. You know why you're blocking God? You're standing in His light and saying, I know better, I know more. Look at me. I'm so brilliant. I'm so cute. I'm so wonderful. You're blocking God. And the Holy Spirit wants to remove those blockages. And even the things that maybe, maybe would cause you to do that. Maybe there's some rude things in your life that come out of another time, maybe even out of your childhood, that would make you argue, that would make you hard-headed, that would cause you to do even those things. The Holy Spirit wants to touch them with His fire and set you free. And it all begins in your willingness to take the first step towards the upper room. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, before we pray tonight, I already sense the presence of God. And I'm going to pray for you for a mighty breakthrough tonight. I'm going to pray that God will remove every veil that may rest upon your eyes. I'm going to pray that the eyes of your understanding, just like Paul prayed it, that the eyes of your understanding will be opened, that the Holy Spirit will touch your inner man, your heart, and that He will cause you to see and to come to understand how to enter a true Spirit-filled life, the reality of it. Not the words, not the things we say, not the scriptures we quote and say, that because the Bible says who I am, that is who I am, you know what? The Bible is prophesying to you. It is telling you who God wants you to become. It is the voice of God throughout the ages speaking to you and telling you there is a better place for you. There is more for you. You can live in this dimension because the Bible, this written scripture, cannot bring you there. It can tell you about it but you're going to need the Holy Spirit to make it alive and real in you. That is the difference. Scripture will tell you, but the Holy Spirit will come and actually perform the work in you. And that is what I want to pray for tonight, that God will come and do something 
extraordinary and new. Father, I thank you tonight for every listener, every person tonight that will hear beyond the natural ears, everyone who tonight with their heart will listen, everyone who tonight will choose and say, I want to receive this word. I want to have ears, spiritual ears, to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to communicate in me. I want you to lead me into the upper room. I want you to take me into a new dimension of experience, a new understanding. I want to live in you, O oh God. I want to become all that you ever envisioned and dreamed me to be. Thank you, precious Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you for impartation. <laughs> Thank you for impartation right now. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus, for cords that's been broken right now. Praise God. You can just soak in the presence if you want. I am so aware of him. There's such a peaceful presence here where I am. And you know, that is how it works. It's if you are used as a vessel of God, whatever you experience, others are experiencing. And so I know that if you are in the spirit right now, there's a beautiful, peaceful presence of God that is resting in you and that surrounds you. Just soak in that beautiful glory, that beautiful presence and allow the Lord to minister to you.